Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. We've been traveling through this wonderful psalm that is broken up into eight segments um, <coughs> and so for 22 segments. So it is the longest psalm in the Bible, uh, the longest chapter, and there's Every verse speaks about the Word of God in some way, some form. But it's not just on the surface, well, read your Bible, read your Bible, study your Bible. But in it, we find the psalmist is using this to encourage himself in times of trouble. When times when everything is falling apart. When times when he doesn't know what to do. He clings to God's Word. And as we're finishing up this psalm, just a few more left, we now find our way to Psalm 119 and verse 145. Psalm 119 and verse number 45, the Bible says this, I cried with my whole heart. Hear me, O Lord, I will keep thy statutes. I cried unto thee, save me, and I shall keep thy statutes, thy testimonies. I prevent the dawning of the morning and cried, hoping in thy word. Mine eyes prevent the night watches that I might meditate in thy word. Hear my voice according to thy loving kindness, O Lord. Quicken me according to thy judgment. They draw nigh that follow after mischief. They are far from thy law. Thou art near, O Lord, and all thy commandments are truth. Concerning thy testimonies, I have known known of old that thou hast founded them forever. And if you're in the habit of marking things in the Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in Psalm 119? Psalm 119, and notice with me in 147. Psalm 119 and 147, the very end uh, phrase, I hoped in thy word. I hoped in thy word. Remember that word hope is an important word. We can't live long without hope. You could live a while without food, and you could live a while without water, but you cannot live without hope. And yet, the hope that is found in God's Word is true. Remember, some people define the word hope or use the word hope as if a wishful thing, like, I hope it was going to be warm this morning. We say that is almost wishful or wistful. It kind of just rises up like the smoke coming out of your mouth on this cold Wisconsin morning. But the word hope in the Bible is a confident expectation of something or someone sure to come. That when you're in times of despair, times of brokenheartedness, times of depression, times of discouragement, you don't need something wishful or wistful. You need something confident that you could grab a hold of. Those are the things that get you through the times of despair of discouragement, of depression, is having something to grab a hold of. You must have hope. 
And here the psalmist said, I have hoped in thy word. If you don't mind, let's kind of see and check in with the psalmist and see what is going on. The first thing that we witness is the psalmist crying. The psalmist crying. Notice with me in verse 145. Psalm 119, 145. I cried with my whole heart. Hear me, O Lord, I will keep thy statutes. I cried unto thee, save me, and I will keep thy testimonies. I prevented the dawn of the morning and cried. I hope in thy word. Three times in three verses, the psalmist mentions he's crying. He's broken hearted. We know that there are different types of cries. There's the cry of a mad baby who wants to advertise that he is a sinner. And there's nothing wrong with him. He's just advertising. That's, that's a different type of cry. There's the cry of a bored and miserable child who doesn't know what he wants and he's not satisfied with what he has. There's the cry of a child who's in pain or has been frightened or hurt. There's the cry that calls for immediate attention. This last cry is the cry of the psalmist in here where he's crying for immediate attention. Lord, I need help. Lord, I need something. Lord, help me. Save me. He's got that type of cry. He's saying, Lord, I need your help or it's done. I need your help or it's over with. I need something. I Lord, help that type of crying. Here the psalmist has been crying with his whole heart. Notice in verse 45, I cried with my whole heart. Here he's putting his passions in his prayer. He's crying with everything that he has. It changes the type of prayer, by the way. Instead of a dry prayer like, Lord, help me to have a good day or Lord, I want sunshine. This is the type of cry that is put into his prayer. Lord, you have to do something. Lord, if you don't, what am I going to do? Lord, I need you now. Lord, please. Everything is in that prayer. All the emotions is in his body is coming out in that prayer. It's not where he's praying in one place and his whole body is into it. He's crying with everything that he has. Lord, I need you. Lord, please help me. Lord, I I don't know what else to do. Help me. He's got that type of cry. By the way, this is the type of praying um, Elijah had manifested that's mentioned in the book of James. We've mentioned that quite a few times in the last several weeks and different things. Let's just turn there. Hold your finger here to Psalm 119, but just as a pit stop, look with me in the book of James. James is in the last part of your Bible, so if you start at the very end, it's the book of Revelation, Jude, 3 John, 2 John, 1 John, 2 Peter, 1 Peter, James. So right before the book of Hebrews, James chapter number 5. James chapter number 5. And notice with me starting at verse 16. The book of James chapter 5 and verse 16. (coughs) It says in James 5, 16, Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Notice this statement. The effectual fervent prayer of 
of a righteous man availeth much. We'll continue in just a second. That word fervent is this idea of heated or passionate. This is the same type of prayer that, a light, that um, the psalmist is praying. And as we're going to see in the context, the same type of prayer Elijah was praying. Is that he is praying passionately. He is praying with his whole body. His whole heart. Everything he has, he's pouring into it. This is the type of prayer, by the way, that gets God's attention. Rather than the, Lord, well, if you get around to it, maybe help me out. This is that passionate prayer. Notice in verse 17, James 5, 17. Elias, or Elijah, we would know in the Old Testament. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we were. Meaning that he went through the same emotions we are. That's what it's speaking about passions. That you cry, he cried. When you feel it, you feel it. Remember, he went through such a depression that he actually asked God to kill him. He... Some of you may have relate to that. This is someone who feels things and has had all of these things. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we were. He prayed earnestly. This is that same idea of fervently. He prayed earnestly that it may not rain and it rained not on the earth in the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth brought forth her fruit. Now you might remember that story. If not, you can look back into it in the book of 1 Kings chapter um, <laughs> number 17 and 18. But it's saying that when Elijah prayed, it wasn't weak prayers. It wasn't just, Lord, if you get around to it, Lord, it'd be nice. He put his whole passion in the prayers. His whole body in the prayers. His whole heart in the prayers. Turn back with me to Psalm 119. Now the psalmist is able to put his whole heart into his prayers because he's broken with his whole heart. He is everything in him. Oh. And so notice if you don't mind as we go back to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Notice in verse 145 we see two ingredients to the prayer. Emotion and decision. Notice in Psalm 145, uh, 119, 145. I cried with my whole heart. There's the emotion. Hear me, O Lord. I will keep thy statutes. You know, part of that effectual fervent prayer is those two things. The passion and the decision. Lord, I need you. I will be obedient to you. Lord, this is what I'm going to do. Lord, I'm moving forward. You know, there's a lot of people who like to cry, but they make no decision to follow God. They make no decision to change anything. They just want God to fix their circumstances without them being affected. Amen. That's ineffectual prayer. <laughs> Why should God help you if it's not going to benefit Him? There should be a practicality there. That Lord, I want you to work. Lord, I need you to help. Lord, I want to go. He repeats and validates his cry in the next verse. Notice with me in verse 146. I cried unto thee, save me and I shall keep thy testimonies. He says, there's the emotion and there's the decision. Sometimes people only promise to serve God when the pressure is on. By the way... That may be why God put him in the pressure cooker in the first place. 
sometimes we call that a foxhole religion. But you know, there are times that God puts the pressure and that's what finally takes for someone to make a decision. You know what? I'm tired of my life. I'm tired of these consequences. Something needs to change. God does put the pressure on from time to time. But that's the effectual prayer. And God hears that. Don't just save me. This is what I'm willing to do. I'm willing to follow you. I'm willing to read your Bible. I'm willing to... (laughs) Those are the elements of this effectual prayer. The psalmist here repeats his his cry to make sure his promise is doubly sure. So it's not just, I said it once. No, I'm serious about it. I'm willing to give this promise again. Lord, I'm willing to follow. I'm going to obey your Bible. I'm going to see what you have for me. We know that there is no doubt that the psalmist is in trouble. Three times in these three verses, he mentions crying. In verse 147, something that you might be able to relate to, I prevented the dawn of the morning. This word prevented, it's an old word. It's kind of changed meaning over a while. But in this idea here, it carries the idea that I rose up before morning. I prevented. <laughs> Today we have the idea that prevented carries the idea to stop. But this actual prevented means, <coughs> excuse me, that it happened beforehand, that it's got permission, it's, it's helped it along. I, I prevented, I rose up the dawning of the morning and cried. Some of you have been there, done that, that you wake up before morning and you're crying to God. Trouble's on his mind. He'd taken away the sleep he desired. Instead, he tossed and turned and it was no use. So he got out of bed and he just can't get over it, can't get the sleep. Notice again as it repeats again in verse 148. Mine eyes prevent the night watches. It doesn't say the word cry, but that's exactly what's going on. Mine eyes prevent. I can't go to sleep because I'm crying. But notice that I might meditate on God's word. The psalmist settling the hope during the pain and crying was the word of God. That's what I'm hoping on. I hoped in thy word. When a situation seemed hopeless, it was the word of God that he needed hope. Remember what I said before, that people need something in those times to cling on to, to grab a hold on to, to, to grasp, to love on. And that's what we need during that time. To hold on to something. And God's word gives us that. When his tears flow down his face in despair. It was the word of God he turned to for hope. He would end up staying up at night meditating and praying through God's word. Since he was having a difficulty sleeping anyways. Might as well use it for some good. By the way that's a good habit to get into. Sometimes people will toss and turn and can't get any sleep. And so they toss and turn some more. Why not grab your Bible? Why not prayer? Why not do something productive during that time? Because all you're going to do is wallow more. If you're not going to get some sleep, you're just going to wallow. Just get some, get something, grab your Bible, start working on it. Grab, fill in the blank, grab your... Um, um, kingly challenge. Do something. Move forward. Do something productive so you could transition your mind from off of you and onto him. And that's something active to do. It is an effective thing that successful even businessmen do. That if you can't sleep, get up and work. You'll get tired eventually. Do something with that time. That's what the psalmist is giving the principle here. He's like, I can't sleep anyways. 
Might as well do something productive. I'm going to be in God's word. I'm going to spend time in there. The choice was to worry or fret or to use his time wisely to look at the promises of God. He composed himself to prepare to sleep by prayerfully turning over God's word. This meditation would quiet his mind until sweet sleep could finally come. And so here as we see the psalmist, remember this isn't just read God's word, read God's word. But in it we could see the emotions and what psalmist is going through. And what maybe say most of us, if not all of us, have been there. Well, we've lost sleep and we're worrying about something and we're fretting over something. The Bible, people have gone through the same things we have. And I'm thankful that is, I'm sorry that he's gone through it, but his going through it has been a benefit to us because it's been recorded for us. Amen. And now we could see it and we could learn from it and how to respond properly from it. Notice not only the psalmist crying, but we see the psalmist calling. Notice with me in 149. Hear my voice according to thy loving kindness. O Lord, quicken me according to thy judgment. The psalmist continues to call to God, asking God to hear his voice. What an amazing God we have who can hear our voice out of all of the crowd. There's something to it that you could be attuned to it. Parents with brand new kids, they could have a kid in a nursery and their kid cry and the uh, parent will respond to that one kid's cry. Kids could learn how to respond to that too. One of the things that people have been amazed over the years is that we could be in a busy place and I could say my children and my three will come running because they could hear my voice inside of a crowd. They could recognize it. God can hear and recognize your voice in the midst of everyone who's praying and crying. And you are important to Him. Isn't that wonderful? Yes. Some people say, well, why should I cry when everybody else is crying? Let me tell you, God is outside of time. That God can literally take your life and look at it from birth unto death. And just pay attention to you. And then when he's done, he can go to someone else's life and look at their life from birth to death. And at that time, there's no one else more important to God than you. God could do that simultaneously because he's outside of time. And so basically, he's just waiting for you to talk to him. Praise the Lord. God is an amazing God. He wants to hear you. He knows the cries, especially if we're one of his children. He can hear our cries, especially when it's not a cry in fit. It's not a cry trying to get attention. It's a cry saying, Lord, help. I need you now. God hears that cry. Isn't that wonderful? Notice we have this uh, prayer for quickening again in 149. He says, hear my voice according to thy loving kindness, O Lord. Quicken me. According to thy judgment. Remember that word quicken carries the idea of life or new life or revival. He says, Lord, I need new life. The life that I have is just not working. I need you to work. I need you to quicken me, to love me according to thy judgment. Lord, according to your Bible, according to your instructions, I need this life. He wanted to learn what he should learn from those circumstances. The psalmist wanted to be quick to hear God's voice and to hear God's instructions. Lord, tell me what to do and I'll do it. 
Notice as we go to verse 150. They draw nigh that follow after mischief. They are far from thy law. Notice here's the direction. God, they're far from you, but they're close to me. I need your help. <laughs> Lord, please. We know that the wicked people's distance from God isn't measured in miles, but it's measured in malice. They are so far from God. But they're threatening the psalmist. That's part of why the psalmist is crying. Lord, they're trying to do me harm. This is real danger that I'm in. Lord, help me. Help me. I need you to do something. I can't do anything about them. So in response, the psalmist drew even closer to the Lord. Verse number 151. Thou art near, O Lord. All thy commandments are truth. He says, God's the protection I need. I'm just coming closer to you. And closer and closer and closer. Which brings us to one last thing. The psalmist confessing. The psalmist confessing. 152. Concerning thy testimonies I have found of old that thou has founded them forever. The psalmist confessed that he recognized that God's words found it forever. God's words reliable because God's word will last. And we had covered that before, that God's word is everlasting. We could trust God's word because it won't fall apart. It won't be replaced. It won't run out of power. It won't become obsolete. It won't run out of gas. That God's word continues to be powerful. Praise God that God's word can always be trusted. There are no circumstances that can void God's promises. There are no groups of people that can erase God's word. There's no time limits that can expire God's word. He can always be trusted. That's why our hope is in him. Remember the word hope is a confident expectation of something sure to come. Something concrete. And we can always grasp to God's word because it won't expire. It won't fall away. It won't crumble away. It's something solid we could grasp onto. That even in the darkest nights and the deepest trouble, we could de- grab onto him and his word. Through all the trouble that the psalmist is experiencing, his hope was on that God's word will dirt forever and he could always trust it. He could always cling to it. He could always depend upon it. Now again, The psalmist and Elijah were of like passions like we were. We've had plenty of times where we've had those restless nights. We can't go to sleep because of trouble. Maybe it's trouble we caused or trouble someone else caused. Maybe there's something in our our minds that we can't get over. God can help. God's word is what we need to cling to. Go to him. And then as we learn to pray more, understand praying with our whole heart, is what God definitely hears. Lord, I need you. Lord, this is something needs to be done. It changes our prayer life, changes who we are. We can trust him. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time 
to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920-530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.